It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Gardening on C103 with Bandon Co-op Garden Centres in Bandon, Kinsale and Enniskeen. For top quality plants, advice and value, think Bandon Co-op Garden Centres. C103. I'm Peter Dowd of theirishgardener.com joining us uh, this afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well and, and you're very welcome. We've lots and lots of questions. Let's see if we can get through as many of them as possible, including an email in saying, um, could you ask, please ask Peter the following question for me. I have two cherry blossom trees. One of them has no flowers whatsoever and the other only has a handful. They're about five years old. Is there anything I can do? That's my listener in Ballymakira. Um, yeah, well, sorry, I'm hesitating there because I'm just, I'm just wondering. Like they should, they're being full flower right now. They should be rather until that heavy wind the other day put paid to, to all of them. It's always you can kind of, you can set your 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 calendar by the cherry blossoms that as soon as they're in full flower, we're going to get a heavy wind, <laughs> and, and that's what happens. And they have looked absolutely spectacular this year. The ones I've seen, they're just glorious. They really it's such have. a pity we don't They've get been... that long out of them. I know, I know, and it's on my, one of my bucket lists is to get over to Japan for what they call Sakura season, which is to see the Japanese cherries in full bloom and in, in their their native habitat. But anyway, coming back to the query about the ones that aren't flowering, it's most likely one of two things, or maybe both: uh, a lack in a lack in potassium and phosphorus in the soil. It's not to say that the soil is bad or the wrong pH or anything like that. It just might be lacking in one or two of those essential elements. They're essential for for the promotion of flower, potassium and phosphorus. So a good tomato food or even sulfate of potash. Unfortunately, it's too late to to remedy the situation for this year. But going forward for next year, hopefully, if if you feed them now and a few times during the season uh, with sulfate of potash or a good like nature safe tomato food, that will certainly help. The other option that it might be, but that, that's kind of why I was hesitating. It's only five years old, uh, but it could just need a bit of pruning, a bit of careful pruning, pruning it down in height and width uh, just to, to, to try and create more new growth this year for buds for next year. So I would, ser- I would do both. I would give it a bit of a prune. I wouldn't prune it till later on towards the end of the summer and feed it with tomato food and sulfate of potash. Say, I would say four or five times between now, let's say, and the end of August. Okay, gardening question for Peter, please. I've got a pink rhododendron in flower now. I want to relocate it to another part of the garden. It's between two and a half and three feet tall. Any advice, please? Uh, what's more important than its height, actually, is the the age of it, because the, the height doesn't give a, a clue to that, because some of them could be two and a half, three feet tall and, and 20 years old, and others might only be a year old in that height, depending on the variety, if you know what I mean. Um 
and the reason that's important is because if that's only been in the soil for a year or two, then that'll move quite easily. Now, don't dream of moving it no matter how long it's been in. Don't dream of moving it right now or during the spring or summer months because it'll you're 99% sure it won't, it won't survive that transplant if you do it now. However, if you do it during December, January, uh, which is the correct time to do it, you do stand the best chance of it surviving. You will uh, probably, I would say nearly definitely, you by moving it in December, January, you will lose the flowers for the following year. The buds could just fall off. But I mean, the, the plant itself should survive if you do it during December, January. But the, I, I'm going to qualify that by saying it does depend on the age. There's an inherent risk in moving any established plant. And evergreens like rhododendrons and, and camellias can be quite difficult to move. Um, so there is a risk. Get as big a root ball as possible. Uh, so if like a good rule of thumb is if you were to, to drop a piece of thread, Trish, from the outermost leaf of the plant to the ground, that's that's the size of the root ball you want. Obviously, that's not always practical. But if possible, get any anyway, get as big a uh, root ball as possible. Move it during December, January. Uh, straight into his new home and the following year now don't dream of doing it now as i say so the following year which would be next year give it loads and loads and loads of tlc and plenty of water during the the first summer after it's been moved okay eileen in carrig navarre gristlinia hedge it's about 20 years old near both ends the hedge is dying we sprayed with a blight spray but now we can see other parts of it's going as well what can we do Difficult one to answer without seeing it, but I'm going to take. I'm going to give as good a guess as I can. I mean that it's most likely a fungal infection, unfortunately, like Phytophthora. And really, the only weapons in the armory when we come to any fungal infection and Phytophthora, whilst it's a notifiable disease, and that we should be telling the Department of Agriculture if you have it or if you suspect it. Um, the 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 course of action is 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 the same as i say for most and that is cultural control which is to remove as much of the infected growth as possible so if it's dying off at the beginning and the end of the hedge i would suggest and i know you're not going to like this but i would suggest kind of removing the plants that are infected nearly entirely roots and all uh to, to get that disease away from the hedge anywhere any place that it's spreading to then because it will spread and it'll pro- i hate to tell you but it'll probably wipe out the whole hedge if if you don't get on top of it um perhaps you already know that and that's why you're ringing so remove as much of the infected growth as possible as i say if it's if it's possible on the edges get out the root system as well um and then prune back the, the it's, you're not allowed to prune your heads as such at the moment under the wildlife act but if you're pruning out some disease material that's i think that's okay um then what you want to do is to treat it with copper sulfate. Uh, now they've already used the, the blight, a blight spray, which may have been copper sulfate, but uh, that on its own won't be enough. You do need to remove the disease material physically. Uh, treat it with drench it and the soil around with with copper sulfate mixed with water, uh, and then feed the hedge. And also, what's important and it's it's hygiene. We're all experts now. Uh, yeah. over the last one Trish on disease control right yeah. and it's hygiene 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 and it's the same in the garden so if, if you leave diseased leaves around the base of that plant it's only going to get back into the soil so you need to move it and even simple things that you might not think of but they were drummed into us in college and they're so true that wh- when you're um, pruning if you're pruning an infected uh, bush or an infected branch clean that pruners before you start pruning a clean branch because that's you're just going to spread the disease that way so it's hygiene is very very important remove the infected growth keep the area around it clean 
drench it with something like copper sulfate and feed it. And again, I would go back to the nature safe, the, the, the organic seaweed feed um, or else the granular uh, or nature safe feed around the base of it. And that will kind of strengthen the plant and make it hopefully more resistant to infection. Yeah, I know a number of years ago, including a Grisselinia hedge between, it was my neighbour's hedge, but it was between my house and my neighbour's house, uh, that we lost that. And half the neighbourhood lost their Grisselinia hedge all over one summer. Over one summer or one winter? Or sorry, over one winter, over one season. Like when, yeah, there's so that, many people digging out 2010? Yeah, yeah, 2010. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember that. Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. Uh, morning. This is Michael and Bantry. Morning, Peter. I have a tree fern that has new fawns appearing, about 10 of them. I cut the existing fawns. They were brown in colour. And I cut them before the frost. Should I have done that, says Michael? Well, the frost was late this year, so I'm guessing Michael cut them like you know before the the frost that we got in the last month. So I'm not worried about the, about that. So the the short answer to to the question is you're fine. I think you're fine. The new fronds are emerging. The old ones do need to be cut back. Um, it, it, I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't have done it before April, mind you. So in other words, those old fronds can be used to protect the base of the plant or the crown of the plant, Trish, from from frost damage. So I certainly wouldn't do it kind of January, February, anything like that. You'd normally wait till the risk of frost has passed, which in fairness he more or less did. April would be be fine time really to prune it, uh, and I still think he's fine because any frost that we did get in April was was largely superficial. So I think he's fine. You'll be okay. You'll be okay. Okay, I've got a camellia, says Angela, in in a Shannon. It's gone very yellow. What can I feed it with? Uh, well, ye- yellowing of the leaves of, of a camellia is really is a, it's like a telltale sign that it's lacking in iron. It could be magnesium, but nine times out of ten it's iron, and it, that's caused by it's a thing called lime-induced chlorosis. Normally, what, so what that means in in effect, Trish, is that camellias like to grow in an acid soil, or that's a, that's a soil with a pH of seven or slightly below it. Okay. So they will grow in an alkaline soil, which is a soil with a pH higher than seven, but they won't thrive. And and this is how they show that they're not thriving. They're not getting enough of their the nutrients that they need. So the leaves begin to go yellow because whilst there might be iron in the soil without getting too technical, it, it's not available to the camellia at that pH. OK, mm-hmm. so what you need to do, uh, the solution to it is uh, what you need to do is you need to give that camellia iron in a form that is available to it in a soil that has the wrong pH, if you can understand me. So that is chelated iron or sequestered iron. So get yourself, any garden set will have, uh, it'll be called either sequestered iron or chelated iron, or there's loads and loads of brands that are, are, uh, they call themselves acid plant tonics or ericaceous plant tonics, and they're all based on on chelated iron. So that's what you need to do. And you need to do it, depending on which brand you get, it'll say it on the box anyway, but you would need to apply it a few times each year. And that'll be, That'll be an ongoing maintenance job, if you like. That's something you'll have to do every year, I would say. Dennison Skibbereen said, Hi, Peter, could you ever explain to me about grafting? I have a pink camellia Mm. about 10 years old (laughs) and I've tried grafting red and white branches onto it, but they both failed last autumn. Is there a special way of doing it? And is autumn the right time? Thanking you, Dennison Skibbereen. Well, how long have we got, Dennison (laughs) Skibbereen? It's not as simple as, as... as is made out. I'm not actually sure if camellias are grafted. I don't think they normally are grafted, but very briefly, uh, we use grafting um, to grow plants when they don't grow successfully or or overly successfully from cuttings or from seeds or from any other type of propagation. So what you would normally do is we get a rootstock plant. So apple trees, for example, roses, all these things are very often grafted. uh, And without trying to get too far into it, the, we graft it onto the rootstock. So we would grow, let's say, a, a, a crab apple from seed. 
okay? Because uh, that'll grow very successfully from seed. But the reason we won't grow maybe, uh, uh, what's the one, Pink Lady or Golden Delicious, we may not grow them from seed because they won't necessarily come true to type. So in other words, if you set the seed of a Pink Lady apple into the ground, you won't necessarily get a Pink Lady tree okay so a lot of plants won't come true to type a lot of hybrids won't come true to type from seed so we need to graft them so we we'll, we'll grow a seedling of a crab apple and then we graft a piece of the pink lady or whichever one we want onto that now it's quite a specialist job uh, and depending on whether we're budding or grafting and the type of grafting we've done it's all done during the winter months anyway okay mm-hmm. uh, but it's very specialist and you, you've got to match up the cambia it's not it is difficult, it's tricky, but it's not rocket science, it's it's doable. You have to match up the cambium, which is the layer just inside the bark of the rootstock to the to the graft. Uh, and that union is all important. It's 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 too technical for me to get into as an, a quick any kind of a quick answer on this program, Trish. Uh the time to do grafting is during the winter months, but it's a bit more specialist than just grafting one stem onto an existing plant. You really need to remove most of the rootstock at the same time. It's not as easy. Here's yeah. a lovely question from Maura. Advice, please. I want to convert a section of my existing lawn into a wild meadow. I've heard of covering the area in wet cardboard, then adding a layer of compost, then setting the seeds. Would this work? Would bark mulch on top be a waste of time? Thanking you for any advice from Maura. Do you know what Maura is doing there now is, and I mean this with the greatest of respect, Maura, but you're actually nearly drawing more work on yourself than what you need to okay, okay. so you 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 could do one of two things well you could do one of several things but first of all you could actually do nothing okay so just leave the grass that you want to turn into a wildflower meadow just leave it go just stop mowing it and, and don't put any plant food or fertilizer or weekly or anything on it and you'll be amazed to see what will happen over the next few years it'll become quite species rich i would imagine all on its own uh there's, there's a uh an organization or a, a, what's the word like a program in northern ireland and it's just it's it's called don't mow let it grow so it's for the public spaces you know down here we have the all ireland pollinator yeah. plan well in the north they have the don't mow let it grow and for the, a lot of public areas that's what they're doing that's what they're encouraging the, their local authorities to do up there and, and they're finding that the just left alone you're, you're getting all these natural wildflowers back but so you could do that but if you wanted to start from scratch and just, you're you're on the right track with the cardboard over the grass certainly but don't use compost compost is too rich because wildflower seeds uh, they actually want a very nutrient poor soil they want for, for want of a better expression they want kind of crap soil trish so pardon pardon yeah. the, the term but a very poor soil right uh, that has never or hasn't had fertilizer or plant food or anything in it for a long time uh, so compost is going to be far too rich um and then no need for bark mulch on top of it either. So put down the cardboard if you want on top of the grass, wet it so it begins to to, 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 to break down, uh, cover it with some poor soil, not compost, a much better word than the, the previous one, um, <laughs> and and then put down your seed and water it, and then that's more than enough for you. And let us know how you get on, Maura. We would love photographs of yeah. that. Uh, hi, Peter. I have leather jackets in my garden. I'm trying to source nematodes, but I can't find them anywhere. Would you know where I could get some, or is there anywhere else I can get rid of them? It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Nematodes are good uh, for leather jackets. Um, the reason I'm hesitating again now is because I'm just not sure. There was uh, Super Nemo, which was an Irish product, which is a kind of combination of nematodes. And what nematode is, for those who are scratching their heads, it's a biological control, so it's a non-chemical control. So uh, based on the principle that if you if you have a garden pest, be it the leather jacket or vine weevil or slugs and snails, you can you can introduce its predator, a, a parasitic pest, to, to feed on it. Um, so there is an Irish product called Super Nemo's, that is a, a combination of, of different nematodes, if you like. So, so they'll attack vine weevil, leather jackets and other other ones in the soil. But I'm just not so sure how available that is anymore, unfortunately, because I know I was looking for it last year and it was difficult to get. And it was a great product. So I don't have a magic answer to it. I'm, off the top of my head, I'm not sure where you'll get it. I'm sorry. OK, if anybody knows, let us know. We can pass it on to that listener. Hi, uh, Peter. I've been trying to grow Campanula and Orberita for years on the entrance walls of my drive and all I have is a big bushy plant but no flowers. Help. Okay, but at least you have a plant. At least yeah. you have a plant. You know, the, you, you, the Campanulas and the Arbretias are the ones that you'd notice, particularly at the moment, the Arbretias. It's flowing out of old stone walls and country roads. I just absolutely adore it. Purple flowers, purple colour. Um, so I, I thought that the question was going, but I haven't been able to get it to establish. Uh, but they have, but it's just not flowering. So I would say in that situation, it's not really a question of potassium or, or nutrients or anything like that, because they'll tend to flower away again in poor soil. I wonder, is it getting enough sunlight? My best guess there, I'm afraid, is that wall is too shaded uh, and it's not getting enough sunlight because Aubrecia in particular won't flower. Uh, Campanula will but not as well. But our breaches certainly will not flower unless it's in a good full sun position. And I'm afraid, I think if 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 the caller, if that rings true for the caller, then I'm afraid bar moving your wall. I was just going to say, that's not do. an easy thing to move yeah. the wall. Okay. No, uh, and no. then Paul has a question about a tulip and there's a number of about daffodils. So it's, it's really the same question. Uh, Paul says, hi, what should I do about my tulips? They finished flowering. Should I let the leaves die back? Should I take them out of the pots? Uh, are, and will, are the ones that are in the ground, will I just leave them in, in the ground? And similar questions coming in about daffodils. Okay, I'm going to, yeah, as you say, I'm going to answer them all as kind of one, Trish, and that with all these spring flowering bulbs, uh, tulips, daffodils, uh, all of these guys, yes, leave the flower wither on the stem, leave it go off, and then let the foliage wither as well, because the chlorophyll and all the nutrients that are in those leaves will go back into that bulb or those bulbs, and that they then are the, the food reserves for next year's flowers and next year's foliage. So let them all die off naturally and gradually back into the bulb. It's a good time as they're beginning to turn brown, as they're beginning to die off to feed them 
with the good quality tomato food, again, like the Irish one, the nature safe tomato food, uh, that'll bring the potassium and phosphorus back into that bulb to, ha- to, to build up the food reserve for next year. So let them die off gradually. Don't cut them off too early. Some people will tie them up in an elastic band and that I, I don't have the patience um, <laughs> for, for that. I just let them die back in their own time. Then do we let them in the ground or do we let them in pots? So this is where I'll differentiate, if you like. So the daffodils, I think you're fine. Leave them in the ground, lift them every maybe four or five or six years just to divide them because they'll have got too congested and they can go blind. But daffodils will survive in the ground, really, if left from year to year. Uh, tulips, less so. So they, or the textbook, if you like, will say that some tulips will do better than others if left in the ground and some treat just as an annual. I would say if you want if you want to be sure of getting the tulips back next year, lift them out of the ground or lift them out of pots. You're more likely that they will survive in pots than in the open ground. But ideally, I think take the tulips out once the foliage has died back uh, and then wrap them in a bit of newspaper or paper bag or something like that uh, and plant them out again. But don't plant them out too early in the autumn. Tulips do best, I think, if planted late autumn, kind of November time, even right into December, January, uh, when it's good and cold. But I would, to be sure of getting my tulips back next year, uh, I would take them out each year. I don't do it, of course, after giving that <laughs> advice. Uh, I'm very lazy and I plant new tulips each year. Yeah. Uh, quick question in from John. How many times can you use bluestone on roses? I've already given one application to my roses already. Bluestone. Well, blue bluestone, which is just another term for copper sulfate, Trish, and it's um, it it is. Uh, regarded and it's licensed as an organic fungicide it's safe to use for organic gardening however it does come with the caveat that it's under guidance if you like and really what that under guidance means is that you use it once a year a maximum of twice a year Uh, i would always try and earn the side of once a year so it's the timing of the the, if it is so important so with roses and when i recommend it as a, a a drench to prevent fungal infections the best time to put it down is uh, what we refer to as bud burst, which is something that we're kind of just really in the middle of or just maybe towards the end of. It's when the it's a magical time of the year, Trish, that we're in at the moment when when all the energy from the soil begins to come out through the dormant buds of the trees and the shrubs and everything is just bursting back into growth. That's what we refer to as uh, as bud burst. That's the best time to get the copper sulfate on because it's the tree is actively growing and there's no sign of infection yet um, or the, the rose bush is actively growing. Okay, and so there, if you've done it now, I, yeah. I would leave it for this year. Okay, all right, very quickly a listener wants to know, can, when can she put out her summer bedding plants and hanging baskets? Ask the weather forecast. Yeah, I was just going <laughs> to say, as, it's all as soon depend. as we're not going to get frost. Yeah, and there is frost forecast for tonight. Okay, we leave it there. Thank you for that, Peter. Have a lovely week. And you, thanks. Trish. And we'll talk again uh, next week. That is uh, Peter Dowdle of the theirishgardener.com Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. 
Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.